Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Mike and Bo, co-founders of, and CEOs of Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries is focused on creating safe, non-psychoactive cannabinoid products with an emphasis on product quality and exceptional customer service. Sunday Scaries was born when Mike and his co-founder, Bo, were both introduced to CBD products and discovered the applications and its benefit it contains. Mike is a University of San Diego graduate with a degree in international relations and affairs. His primary focus for the company is to develop a strategic direction and tactically execute it company-wide to ensure that Sunday Scaries is constantly innovating and improving its process. Sunday Scaries has since torn through the noise of the oversaturated CBD industry, and we are glad it has done so. So guys, welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you for being here. So to be here. Yeah, thanks, Drew. Absolutely. We're pumped to have both of you on here. That intro only reflected a little bit of background on you, Mike. I don't think the team knew that we were going to have the gift of Bo on here as well. So I apologize <laughs> for not having more information on you and there, Bo. Uh, but man, pumped you're both here and just want to find out uh, and really start the show off how we always start, which is, can you give us an idea of the series of events that led you to starting this company? Hit it, Mike. Yeah, definitely, Drew. Um, so Bo and I used to own a bar and grill together. So we had a ah. past venture. Uh, we were both in, the, both in the hospitality industry for close to 10 years, and we banded together, raised funds, and opened up a bar and grill um, right outside downtown here in San Diego. And um, it was a fun process. We learned a ton. Um, everything from you know the fundraise to demolition, construction, permitting, uh, and then obviously cutting the ribbon and opening the place up. And... It started off, we were, we were jazzed, we were thrilled, uh, we were making money, we were having a fun time, and um, eventually the business itself just started really wearing on us mm. uh, for a couple of different reasons. One, there's a really good uh, book about it called The E-Myth, um, yeah. and we figured or we found that we were basically shackled to our business. I mean, Bo and I were burning both ends of the candle. Um, we were there working in the business, helping to run food, uh, serve tables, bartend, and then simultaneously working on the business, trying to figure out ways to promote and uh, you know cut costs, negotiate with vendors. And about two years in, we were banging our heads against the wall because uh, you know Bo brought up, brought up a really good point that we're only marketing to people that are basically within a three mile radius of our bar. So he had the foresight and the vision just to see, uh, you know, the pitfalls in general of, of brick and mortar businesses um, and just how hard it was to scale. Um, and then also in the hospitality industry, you know, if you have a if you're profiting six to 10 percent, it's, it's really good. So if you wow. have a bad a bad week or something catastrophic happen, um, it's really hard to dig yourself out of that hole like a pandemic. <laughs> You well, uh, luckily we, we moved. We, we moved on before that whole thing started. Wow! Um, yeah, coincidentally, very, very like grateful for that. Yeah. By four months. Mm -hmm. By four months. Wow, man. Yeah. So, just speaking of that, man, that was something that I learned just from paying attention to what was happening in the country and business as a result of the pandemic. And I had no idea until that point how tight those margins really were for the average restaurant and why that would be so catastrophic to even have a month of being closed down right yeah yeah to totally i mean I, I don't understand how some of the businesses are still open i mean kudos to them um they're fighting the good fight 
but it, it's it's kind of it's incredible with what they're being what, what they're able to be to get accomplished with everything going on right now it's insane absolutely well i love that you mentioned uh the e-myth that was a book that really changed the trajectory of my now business partner from his previous venture was when he read that and the way that kind of changed his mind I've, I've looked at it some but not nearly as much as him could you give us an idea of what some of the primary concepts uh, in that book were that really impacted you guys to start thinking differently about the business you wanted yeah i, I think that we just found that we were a slave to our own business um you know, and then I had a really good lunch with Bo and he, he sat down uh, with me and just talked about the future of the company. Um, and we couldn't get away from it. And I think that's one of the reasons that we structured Sunday Scary is the way that it is, where we can work from our computer from, from wherever we want, where we can sell to people that are, that are across the U.S. that don't have to be within that three mile radius. Um, so it's kind of a blessing in disguise, uh, all, all boiled down. But when we were in it, um, it was just it was just incredibly tough. And that's why we were so stressed out. And that's how we ended up, you know, trying Sunday Scare or trying CBD. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. and I believe that the E-Myth is the technician, the manager and the visionary, correct? From what I know. Yeah. A couple of years, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was I mean, we were so out of balance between those three like archetypes and, um, you know, the infrastructure of the e-com business is almost completely inverse of what the bar restaurant business structure is, uh, which, you know, we can go down that road, but it's just, it's so much more beneficial on the e-commerce side than it was on the brick and mortar side. Interesting. Yeah. I, I do want to go down that, but not quite yet. I'm going to make a note of that. Uh, so you guys first started experimenting with CBD kind of products during this time for your own stress. Is that what, is that what it was? So we, we have a buddy, his name is Garrett, and he came into the bar to visit us. And, and Bo and I didn't even notice that he was in there. I mean, we were running around like uh, chickens with our heads cut off, just trying to make, make the business work. And he pulled us aside and he's like, hey, guys, first of all, I'm here. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> and then secondly, he's like, you guys look like you are beat the hell up. You guys are like, so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you, Bo. Good um, friends. So, so he's like, hey, guys, I'm going to book us a tea time. We're going to go out and play some golf, and I'm going to get you out of here for a weekend. So we ended up doing that, and on the course, Bo and I just continued to talk about the business, talk about the business. And, uh, and Garrett's like, hey, man, check out for, for four hours. You know, let's, let's have some fun. And he reaches for his bag and pulls out a, a tincture, um, CBD tincture. So Bo and I were like, hell, let's take it. Uh, might as well. Let's try it out. And, you know, 30 minutes later, we just had this cool sense of ease. Our golf games were better than they usually are. And we just naturally uh, and organically were having a fun time together. Um, mm. Completely de-stressed. Wow. So, Bo, were you on this like, trip as well? Yeah. And we're like, holy shit, like, this is awesome. Like, why isn't this available? Like, you can go to a corner store and buy, like, eight different boner pills, but there's not one just, just like, <laughs> take the edge off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Eight different laughs> I'm always curious if anybody's ever tried those products. Like when you're at a gas station. I, I have buddies who have, and they would not recommend doing it. <laughs> I can imagine, man. There's nothing about that that looks safe or like you'd want to actually try it. Uh, okay, so <laughs> you don't take a boner pill. You take a tincture. And had you had any uh, 
any awareness of these kinds of CBD products before, or is that what your first experience with that? Go for it, Mike. Yeah, so we knew about CBD. I have a bunch of stoner friends from high school. Uh, it was really interesting when I first got into it, I told them, and they're like, oh yeah, CBD weed, you know? And I think there was like somewhat of a vague correlation. Yeah. But but no, I, I mean, I didn't know what the what the, um, the compound itself did. I didn't know the exact distinct difference uh, that it had from THC. So when Bo and I finished the round, you know, we, we went back and got on our computers and did some research. And back then, that was 2017, there mm. were a, t- a ton of gaps in the market. I think at the time, there were around 30 CBD companies, and now there's 3,500. Whoa. And with the different uh, websites we went to, there, it was la- there was like a, a big lack of like a sticky uh, CPG brand presence. And then there was a lot of the brands we checked out, there was a lack of credibility. They didn't have supplement facts on there uh, or just the, the purchase process was very shady on the websites. So we saw a ton of opportunity um, when we just tried to buy the product ourselves. Interesting. And also back then, like CBD was a newsworthy. So it's not like your hot CBD item gift guide. In, you know, it's like most of the challenge was just education. It was people thought CBD was THC. CBD would get you high. What are the side effects of CBD? I mean, most of the keywords were like CDB or CBD, you know, it's just like there, there wasn't this like commonplace, yeah. uh, like ingredient in the market yet. Yeah. Yeah. So Bo, for you, what are you thinking at the time? Is your business brain going off, you know, already on this kind of potential? Yeah. Network? I mean, I, you know, I used to be in corporate finance um, until 2015 when uh, a friend, we opened like a first kind of entrepreneurial uh, project. Um, and I mean, read the Timothy Ferris for our work week. Yeah. And it was, it always lived in the back of my mind. Um, I, love that you call, I love that you called him Timothy Ferris <laughs> instead of Tim Ferris. It just yeah. sounds so much more like official. It's Timothy, right? Like yeah. Sir Tiffany. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like, it's like, yeah, for a week, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, hell yeah. Compared to, cor- com- compared to corporate America. Yeah. But, you know, we, we, went through it and kind of like, just like the business structure around it is like brick and mortar. You can only generate an X amount of revenue. You have a very definitive revenue ceiling. You have hours open in the day, butts and seats, average, you know, ticket value. Um, But e-commerce, you can sell to everyone in the nation for CBD. Uh, You're open 24 hours a day and you have infinite scalability. Um, And then, you know, the way that CBD made us feel was just like, how is this not like, there's a huge gap between like this cannabis world that stoners, the pharmaceutical world, that's like really over the counter or like diagnosable anxiety disorders. And then like the general public that we felt could just benefit from this product, like our friends and family and everyone else stressed out in the industry. So we are like, dude, let's come up with this. Let's start a brand, right? Wow. Uh, we love CPG brands, you know, Red Bull, like what makes Red Bull stand out for all energy drinks or native deodorant or dollar shape club. And that was kind of our obsession. And we felt like a really cool millennial facing brand would do really well. if We focused on brand and customer experience. Wow. So let's do this for a second for, for the people listening that still might need some education on CBD and even the difference between it and a THC 
uh, included product like your typical weed or something or gummies. Mm -hmm. uh, what is that primary difference, right? Like CBD with no THC, whether it's in benefit or feeling, uh, help kind of educate maybe us in the audience a little bit on that. Yeah. So <clears throat> the whole reason for the floodgates opening and a ton of the CBD companies spilling onto the market was because of the 2014 farm bill. And that basically made hemp a generic uh, agricultural commodity. So CBD, you can extract CBD from either hemp or marijuana. It's the same thing, but it's legal if you extract it from hemp. Okay. Now within, within cannabis, which is the genus of the plant that's above, you have cannabis up here and then hemp and marijuana. There's over a hundred uh, cannabinoids and the two predominant ones are CBD uh, and THC. So everybody kind of knows what THC is. That's the, um, that's the, the compound that gets you the, the high feeling, right? That's that, what's what gets you inebriated. Yeah. CB, CBD is like its therapeutic sister that just relieves tension. And it's actually good for a ton of different ailments. Um, we at Sunday Scaries just focus on formulating our, our products specifically uh, for people to de-stress. Interesting. So do we know how that, do we know how and why that works? Like why that, that, that CBD would interact with you in a way that would lead to reduced stress and things like that? Yeah. See, every body has an endocannabinoid system. So you actually produce internal human developed cannabinoids. Huh. Um, and then like CBD from a plant is called a phytocannabinoid. And basically you have what are called EC1, EC2 receptors all over your body. Um, and CBD stops other molecules from connecting um, to receptors. So, you know, when you have cortisol coming in, it'll actually block cortisol from coming in so that you don't absorb the stress hormone, right? Um, in the same sense, it'll block THC uh, from binding, uh, which will, if you're like very high and you take a bunch of CBD, it'll actually help reduce the high. Huh. Um, and so, you know, if you go down that road, you can see how CBD can be beneficial towards anxiety, inflammation, pain, but not medically proven yet. So that's why we don't make any medical claims because um, there's still a lot of studies. This is, you know, very consumer driven um, use cases. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Now is the high or not, that's the wrong word to use the feeling that you get of relaxed, less stress. Is there a noticeable difference between that and what someone might describe when they're high and they feel relaxed kind of thing? So instead of being a, like a proactive feeling, like you smoke weed, THC, and you get high, it's stimulated, you drink alcohol, you get drunk. It's the opposite, more of like an Advil or an ibuprofen where you're, it's the removal of feelings. So, oh, wow. you know, if you, like the, one of our customers put it the best way, it's like take CBD for a week and then stop and then see how you feel. And you'd be like, oh, I, I feel amazing. Yeah. Uh, or I feel more stressed out, but you know, I felt amazing during that because it's the absence of those extra you know, stimuli. That's amazing. Well, I'll give you another testimony. It's from a guy on my team. That's how we actually uh, found out about you. I was pumped to see you guys on the podcast list. Cause he'd been promoting you to us for a while saying he came across the oh, Sunday yeah. scaries and uh, he was just like, man, this is one of the coolest things I've found in terms of, you know, me helping deal with the, with the stress of our business and life and all that kind of stuff. So you got a glowing fan on my team. I've yet to take it, but I'm excited uh, to give it a try <laughs> for sure. 
Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that, that's so cool to hear. I mean, I'll, I'll just piggyback off what Bo said, but the last thing we wanted to do with exiting uh, the bar model that we had was to sell something uh, that was snake oil. Like we're, we are not going to do that. So, and we experimented with some other things that we were going to look to sell before we found CBD, other types of supplements. Um, You know, I think something like a daily vitamin is, is a good um, comp for just what we're trying to do. and, And I can highlight the differences, but you take a daily vitamin and you don't really feel anything. Right. But, yeah. um, but it's, it's scientifically supported to help with your, your health with CBD though, you do feel a sense of ease and a sense of calm after taking it. And I think that's why Bo and I really gravitated uh, towards the CBD market because the proof is in the pudding and you can really tell that it's helping you when you take it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you guys recommend? Uh, do you guys recommend taking this as like a daily thing, like you would a vitamin, or is it more like a situational thing? Everybody's different, but um, the the compound usage of it um, s- supports its efficacy. So the, the more you use CBD, the more you're going to see those positive benefits in your life. Interesting. Well, I've got a business that's in year two of its startup. And I've got three young kids. Uh, so I, I, hopefully I'm a, I'm a prime candidate, my wife and I both, for somebody that would benefit from your product. Um, I really am excited. You know, for a while, it stayed on the shelf of like, I'm hearing good conversation about it. Uh, but it felt similar to me uh, to essential oils at first, right? Mm-hmm. Which could be awesome. I, I'm still open. I had someone the other day at dinner give me a full pitch on it. And I'm like, guys, I'm open. I just want to see the data. You know, I was like, I just want to know that this isn't just a placebo, you know, a placebo effect kind of thing before I sink significant money into lavender being rubbed on my feet to help with whatever. (laughs) Right. Uh, So, but this is helping. The reason I'm even asking is for me and probably people like me on the podcast listening that I hear someone like Trevor and go, okay, anecdotal, which is fine. uh, But that speaks loudly to me. I know him really well. I know, you know, his stress level and he seems to really stick by it. And, you know, just being vulnerable with the podcast and me, it runs anxiety runs in my family. It's been something that has been somewhat under the surface for most of my life that I've mm-hmm. worked on meditation. I've worked, obviously I've taken care of myself physically a lot more in the last five years, getting good rest, but it's still something that if there were something out there like that, uh, that would, would help, man, I'd be, I'd be a big advocate for it. So that's where my brain's at right now. Thinking right. about your product. And how old are you? 35. 35. Yeah. So right in the millennial, right in the millennial market. Um, and it's interesting because, so, you know, about 18% of American adults have a diagnosable anxiety issue. Um, and LinkedIn, Monster, Sleep Judge have all done studies that 90% of millennials suffer, over 90%, suffer from Sunday scaries, which is basically anticipatory anxiety that you get on Sunday, at, you know, Sunday late afternoon yeah. after a fun weekend and Monday. So right in that gap right? That's the meat, the 70% between 18 and 90% that we're really trying to focus on. So it's over-the-counter anxiety issues that plague your daily life, mm. right? Student loans, financial issues, online dating, social media, um, kind of like that FOMO or JOMO um, related to what other people are doing, certainly COVID and economic uncertainties that are unique to our generation. Um, so those are kind of the over-the-counter issues uh, that we're trying to take the edge off of to make life a little bit better. Heck yeah. 
Well, Bo, tell me where where did you guys start when you when it crossed the the finish line in your brain of this is something we're going to pursue this versus something else. Where did you guys start and how did you build the brand to where it is today? Well, the other things we were looking at, it didn't like you know, like Mike said, we looked at a lot of different options, but CBD just like really resonated with us, right? And that's the number one thing is that we believe in it, passionate about it, we love it, we take it ourselves. Um, and then contrary to the bar, I mean, you're serving people alcohol, right? So there's not really a consumer benefit besides right, right. some like immediate happiness. A temporary good time. yeah. A temporary good time, right? Um, and so we landed on CBD because, I mean, back then there were also no advertising restrictions. So it was this new hot thing. We could do ingredient-based marketing that would sell the product. Um, you know, we could advertise on Facebook, Instagram, Google, Amazon. Um, that's all changed. Um, but, you know, we, we found uh, a manufacturer that was respectable. We wanted to infuse some additional vitamins for efficacy. And, uh, and then we started having our friends try it. Servers, bartenders, bar managers, owners, bottle service girls, anyone that was in the industry that we knew, because that's what we were deep inside. And they loved it. And that was kind of our weird niche proof of concept. Um, you know, then we started going on the whole e-commerce journey of merchant processing, building a website, SEO, wow. and stuff like that. So, Did you have to raise capital to, to be able to kick this off or how did that work? Yeah, we raised a, a little like $30,000 round okay. in the beginning. And that, and that kick-started us all the way until another small round in 2020. Is that, was that just to get the initial uh, product, you know, made and ready to sell and that kind of thing? Yeah, basically. Wow. Man, okay. So you start this e-commerce business. Does it start just the two of you or did you have a team already helping build this out? It was, it was just the two of us to start. Um, passion project. And then um, eventually we just needed help covering the orders you know um it was really cool to see what happened and to again piggyback off what Bo said <clears throat> excuse me we already had established um you know friends uh and even family in the hospitality industry okay and at that time uh influencer marketing was very nascent and there your, your your feed on instagram wasn't flooded with a ton of products quite yet so when we did send those products out, like Bo said, to our friends, they were posting on their, uh, on their stories or on, on their pages. And it just got um, a ton of different impressions because that whole market wasn't saturated yet. And it was really cool to see the product grow in like a secondary industry, such as the hospitality industry. Yeah. Because within the hospitality industry, you have um, you know, social media expectations, you have, there's a lot of digital isolationism because, um, you know, the times that, for instance, when, when Bo and I were working at the bar, we would get invited to bachelor parties or birthday parties. We'd have to say no to that kind of stuff because the peak hours of the business are Friday, Saturday for us. So we lost out on a, on a ton of different social experiences. And then, you know, our weekend was, uh, you know, Monday where everybody else is back on the grind. So I think that um, we felt alone in a lot of ways besides having each other because we were on this different schedule uh, than the rest of the people uh, that, that we knew. But um, again, we, we found that not only did our product 
help us, but our attachment to the business model and this newfound passion that we had just really reinvigorated us to live the best lives that we possibly could and get ourselves out of this uh, quote unquote rat race we, we were in. So, yeah. So it sounds like from the beginning, as soon as you started making the public aware of it, you had pretty good traction. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we saw some pretty early, some pretty good early success. Okay. From your vantage point, Mike, I'm curious. So that's going well. I'm sure it's all relative, obviously, compared to how well it's going now. But what was, when you think back at that time, for, for you, what was the most challenging part of it? I would say uh, developing the brand. You know, we, we, we looked at what was out there on the market around, you know, 30 different uh, companies that we found. And we saw over and over again, Meta this, uh, Canna that, CBD this, CBD that. And then, you know, white clinical looking bottles with probably like a green logo and font. Um, and we were like, this is just all the same thing. It was very cookie cutter. Um, everybody kind of look the same or like it could be underneath the same umbrella right or like how, how can we differentiate ourselves and simultaneously these these companies they were basically praising cbd as a cure for everything um which we found was kind of odd because you know if i'm trying to get something that helps me for sleep or for skincare or to de-stress i'm not going to buy the same product for all three of those things yeah right? yes um, but Bo and I both suffered from anxiety and we both wanted to, uh, come up with a product and brand around that. Um, so, so we custom formulated our products specifically to help, um, uh, people feel calm. Heck yeah. All right. So you, you share some, uh, somewhat in my history. So you would say you have struggled with anxiety some? Uh, oh. so, <laughs> I don't know about the some part, but yes. Para paralyzing anxiety. Yeah. Okay. And so for real, I'm, I'm talking to you right now. No one's listening to this. This is not live, but I'm talking to you. So it really has helped you genuinely. Genuinely. Hell yeah. yeah. Yes. Dude, that's awesome. And I'll tell you, so what you said earlier about people recommending this for everything was has what has made me most skeptical about people talking about essential oils is because they tell you it cures everything from like can't get pregnant to cancer to insomnia and I'm like, there's nothing that I know of that can serve that many functions potently, right? Uh, which is where I'm update. Someone could be saying, well, actually, they lied. It's really just this, and then that's great. But that's why I started to hear about CBD that made me lean in, was when you got away from the people that just applied this to everything, they would start to say, no, what we know for sure is that it helps with, like, inflammation. And that part of inflammation can be things like anxiety. I, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know if inflammation is actually the thing. But as I heard people sort of narrow in like you guys are, it made me – uh, be more interested because it sounds like we're talking realistically now, right? Like, tell yeah. me its main function. Don't tell me a thousand things it can cure. Um, and there are a lot of CBD companies that still make pretty broad cancer-related claims. Yes, claims, fibromyalgia. I mean, recovery from surgery. Um, and I mean, we don't um, for two reasons. One, we focus on stress, de-stressing. And the other, it's irresponsible to make those medical claims. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So anyways, that's what I, so what Trevor sent me your, I'm on your, I'm on your emailing list, guys. I get your, I, I get your copy. I get it. I get it every week, sometimes every day. Uh, but I went on your website and was researching and that's what I liked about it. I was like, you know exactly what, what you've seen this product be designed for. 
And this is what you're speaking to that even that idea of Sunday scaries is brilliant marketing. So I'm curious, Bo, where did that name come from? How did you guys stumble across that? I'm actually let Mike take this. Okay. That's, that's how it originated. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Bo. Um, so let's see here. So after Sundays, or sorry, after Saturday nights, um, Bo and I would get off super late, right? Three in the morning. Come home, you, you wake up on Sunday, we probably would go into the bar for a little bit and get the get some work done or handle the brunch crowd. Yeah. And then c- come home. And um, just to echo what I said earlier, that was the start of our weekend, right? And everybody else that I knew was winding down and starting to get, get ready for their work week. And I felt extremely, extremely alone um, during those times. And luckily I had Bo by my side but um, I remember I talked to my sister, who's my, uh, my accountability partner, and I was open to her about my mental health issues back then, uh, which was really tough for me to do. And it's weird saying that now, because now I'm a huge advocate for, for therapy, for yoga, for meditation, for journaling. Uh, but at the time, I almost considered that a weakness. Yeah. Um, and my whole mentality has, has changed since. But, but I talked to my sister and I'm like, hey, Care Bear, I feel like super stressed and super alone and I'm in my own head and I'm conjuring up scenarios that don't even exist (laughs) and I I can't live in the moment and um and she she heard me but she kind of laughed and was like oh you're dealing with the Sunday scaries and Mm. she didn't even need to explain to me what that was I just got it instantly um and it is that that moral hangover that you face right the the internal darkness Bo said the anticipatory anxiety, which I think is a perfect way to describe it, of just like, what's going to happen next? What's my purpose? Am I in the right state of mind? Am I doing what I should be doing in my life? You question yourself and you question your beliefs and your accomplishments. <clears throat> it's almost a, a degree of imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. And, and I felt like I was alone in dealing with those issues until I talked to Caroline, until I talked to Bo. And Bo's like, damn, I deal with that shit, too. And we realized that we're not alone in dealing with it. And, and that's where we saw, um, you know, the potential for, for the business itself, not only to just like sell something that's really cool and to dive into e-commerce, but also to help people understand like they're not alone either. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. Um, that is interesting. So it's so intuitive when you hear, oh, the Sunday scaries. It's similar to like, uh, <laughs> did you guys ever see the movie The Office Space? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, office space, right? Yeah. Office space. Sorry, not the office space. Yeah. Office space. Freaking hilarious. But just like when he says, <laughs> oh, somebody's got the case of the Mondays and you know exactly what, what they mean. Exactly. Right? Um, man, I, I, if you guys are cool with it, I would love just to dive a little bit more into your stories with mental health and stress and anxiety because it's something we haven't talked about a bunch on the, on the podcast, but might be the most important thing we could talk about, right? Um, mm-hmm. It actually does seem like the bigger mission of your company. Uh, in a sense, I'm not putting that on you, but as I'm hearing this, I'm like, man, that really is neat. Um, could you elaborate maybe a little more, Mike, for you? I even thought I was curious when you said your sister was your accountability partner. Uh, that's really neat. I would like to know more about that. And then, Bo, I'd like to hear maybe just for you what, what that's been like for you, as much as you're comfortable sharing. You don't have to go into yeah. the shit you don't want random people knowing about, but um, that, I think that could be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I could start off. So the accountability partner, I actually um, – have to give credit to Brene Brown for that one because it's, you know, she's a huge advocate for being vulnerable, which is what happened on that phone call with Caroline. 
But the thing is, you want to be vulnerable to a certain degree because every there's going to be so many critics out there, especially mm-hmm. if you jump from one industry to another. Uh, I know we got a ton of criticism like, hey, you guys have experience with opening bars, but what do you know about CBD? Um, so we're, we're challenged every step of the way, right? And people are going to say a lot of things to you. It's, um, it's actually derived from the, the man in the arena, yes. uh, Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, you're familiar. Oh, yeah. Um, but Brene Brown um, said something that really resonated with me. She's like, you're going to get a ton of critics in your life. And a lot of them you need to not listen to. But you don't want to lose your grounding um, and go to a place where your ego overtakes you either. So she's, she said to, to choose five people in your life that you really, really trust um, and, and you trust their feedback and opinions um, are given to you because they love you and they care for you and listen to what those five people say and everybody else kick them out. And wow. so Carol, Caroline was the first person to be my accountability partner where if I'm getting off track, uh, I listen to what she says and I actually apply it in my uh, everyday life. Was it structured? Like, was it like a, you just know that's the one of one of the few people you call if you're feeling a certain way? Or was it like, ah, oh, we had check-ins every so often where we were just honest with each other about how we're doing? Like, how was that? How was that structured? With, with, with Caroline, we had check-ins and it was a phone call every Sunday. Wow. Because uh, one of the best ways to get out of your own head and to stop feeling that internal darkness is to share uh, your feelings with somebody else. And, and even just the conversation itself with somebody will make you feel better. And Caroline always does that for me. So we, we purposely structured those calls on Sundays. Man, that's beautiful. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's something about the power of something that goes from living internally to sharing it, it. It lives somewhat externally. Like now that I've talked about it, I almost like picture it kind of coming out of me and now it's in this shared space. As long as that shared space is a good one, which is what Brene Brown's talking about, right? Like you don't want to give that to somebody that you can't trust or makes it worse or, uh, you know, jumps all over you, but that shared space, if it's a safe one, it can help bear the load some that's, that's brilliant, man. Uh, how about for you, Bo, what, what's your journey been like with that? Yeah. Um, I mean, been an entrepreneur since 2012. Wow. So this is like 2017. We started Sunday scaries. Um, but in 2016, I lost my dad, like really in a freak accident. He was 63 and it kind of put me on the spiral of like, what the fuck am I doing with all these small fires, right? Like there's yeah. a bigger picture here. Um, and it really impacted me heavily. Um, and, you know, come 2017, like Mike said, Monday, Sunday is like the start of our week um, or the start of our weekend. I mean, you know, and it's, Mondays are, are downtime um, to try to catch up. But like we would always say every day is a Monday and every day is dead kick Monday because <laughs> the restaurant industry is a game of a thousand small fires that you have to put out, none of which have any economic upside. So, wow. you know, it's a dishwasher showing up stoned, uh, a, a line cook that shows up on so drugged up that Mike drives into the ER because he was on a bender all night. A customer slipping in the bathroom because they're wasted and they threaten to sue you because they're an idiot. Um, I mean, everything that that can't go wrong. I mean, Super Bowl Sunday, a a pipe cracked and we had sewage underneath the building. We had to shut down all of our bathrooms. Like what can go wrong will go wrong. And all for small, small margins because it's a very passionate 
uh, you know, it's a, it's a passion project. Um, and so trying to make that work, you know, we're just seeking healthier, healthier alternatives. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, in the, in the hospitality industry, you're around drugs and alcohol nonstop. I mean, and so finding the healthy alternative of CBD was what we were looking for, right? Mm. Getting, getting away from anything that was detrimental to our bodies that we could take that would help calm us down so that we could still fully function in a 12 to 16 hour day. Um, you know, and beyond that, I mean, I'm a millennial. I went to University of San Diego like Mike. It's not cheap. I have student loans that I paid off for 12 years. Uh, you know, yeah. um, you know, back then, I think Tinder started when I was like 25 and, you know, I was single and they're trying to date uh, and, you know, there's all this social pressure and this, this new world. Um, and social media really took off. And so there's all these like things that are really impeding our lifestyles. And so we really wanted something to chill the fuck out. Yes. <laughs> we were searching. For it. So when we went golfing with Garrett and Davis, we were like, oh God, like this is, this is chill. This is just helping us out what we yeah. need. Um, we were like, look, all the competition has these kind of boring brands that are marketing toward the boomer generation for a lot of it is pain related and inflammation related. Let's focus on millennials, our generation. Yeah. Let's make a CBD company for them, a brand that they can resonate with. Yep. Um, and our, one of our, you know, we don't pretend to be the hero of the perfect company that we're perfect for everything. Like we're the, we're the Deadpool of the CBD industry, right? Oh, Trying to be a, super, <laughs> a superhero, but you have some like kind of crazy qualities that are imperfect because you're a person and that's, that's what really resonates with our audience. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love that. All right, so let's talk about uh, one. Thank you both for 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 sharing uh, your stories, and that's amazing. I think uh, just in general, it's something we don't talk enough about. Probably like in the hospitality industry, like how grueling that schedule is, and the dark side that that can accompany. But just in general, for millennials, for the the day and time we live in, you know, you guys are aware of the statistics like I am. The amount of people struggling with anxiety, depression things like that is just off the chart. So it's like, how are we not having this conversation regularly? Right? Like mm -hmm. how, I mean, I just was watching, um, uh, God, what's the name of, I am athlete. I think it's, I am athlete. It's with Brandon Marshall and Chad, Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson and these ex football players. They just literally sit around and talk every Monday. It's the most, if you haven't seen it guys, it is one of the most entertaining podcasts. Right, guys, it's freaking hilarious. They talk about everything from football to their dating life. They interview people. But man, they just had this amazing conversation the other day where they were actually just checking. They, they said as a company, uh, they always check in with the, their staff on like scale one to 10. How are you doing uh, mentally, professionally and, and like relationally, like with your life? And they did that live on the podcast. And Chad got to share about his mom dying like a month ago and him just processing it and live. And it was like, man, what a cool conversation that they, these guys are learning to have. And they were even talking about that. Like we grew up in this macho generation. You don't talk about shit like this you know, but we found a key for our health and watching players we played with commit suicide. Like we didn't want to be like that. Um, so anyways, I, I say all that to yeah. say, thank you for sharing uh, on this podcast. Uh, but let, I do want to get to some of the business side of it because you guys have done something really cool uh, in that space. But Bo, maybe you could talk to as, as kind of a head of growth for you guys, what have been some of those key differentiators and maybe even initiatives that you think have, have, really um contributed to your fast growth and really starting to you know really carve out a niche for you guys uh, pretty fast cool so uh 
I'll start uh, quickly 2018, which is our first fiscal year. We sold our first products at the end of 2017, so it wasn't really a count. 2018, social media uh, was growth. Uh, we were like one of the we were the first CBD company on Snapchat, one of the first on Facebook and Instagram. Wow. Mike already alluded to influencer marketing, and it and it scaled really quickly. Um, you know, and then 2019, uh, especially after the 2018 farm bill passed, 2019 we started to see this influx of hundreds, if not thousands, of CBD companies. Uh, a lot of policy review for Amazon, Google, Facebook, um, and so we had to kind of shift our, you know, shift our most our kind of strategy. Also, at the beginning of 2019, many many CBD companies were focusing on retail. Uh, so we kind of took a step back, me, Mike, and our team, and we're like, all right, do we want to do retail or do we want to focus on e-commerce? And we focus on building out a very elaborate subscription program, reward space, uh, loyalty points, which we've since revised, um, and focusing on just you know our second core value, which is deliver happiness. It's the you know, Tony Shea Zappo story. Yeah. Do whatever we can to add value for a customer to make sure that they're happy. So we focus on e-commerce and customer happiness. Um, and like you said, with, with your you know, business partner, uh, that word of mouth has you know, provided the highest LTD customers that we have. They hear about mm. it from their friend, their mom, their, their aunt, their dog walker. Um, and so we really focus on, on that growth, um, which is slightly blind and you have a, lot of, have a lot of faith, but when executed properly, you can really see the benefits of organic growth over time. Um, now we're trying, um, you know, different channels uh, that are scalable for CBD, um, but still really focusing on the customer experience. So that includes our a website migration. We're doing to improve speed, to improve the dashboard, um, to focus on the customers and referral programs for that lateral acquisition um, and stuff that we know that our competitors can't do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we call it our defendable customer niche, right? At the end of the day, who, who is talking to your customers um, as friends, you know, who's providing them all the value and who's building that relationship with them? Because that's something as this industry matures that um, other companies won't be able to take away. Yeah. What was the major decision point for going and, and continuing to double down on direct to consumer through e-commerce versus getting into the local CBD store retail space? We, um, it was just that we weren't done with e-commerce. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it was just a, a shiny object at that point. Uh, and it turned out, thank God, because in 2020, every retail shop shut down and we saw a lot of our competitors go out of business. Um, and you know, it's, it's also with our core value, we have five core values in the company. So, number two of which is deliver happiness to focus on customer happiness. You have to be in touch with the customer and mm -hmm. you lose that through retail. Um, you, it's, it's harder, much yeah. harder. Yeah. And so like, we don't know who's going into the stores and buying. We don't know what makes them tick, what their use cases are. But e-commerce, we have a direct line of communication with the customer that allows us to really develop that relationship to give them the help that they need to build that community up where we don't have that in the retail. Wow. Um, and so right now it's just considered white space. Love that. Uh, so, Mike, for you, take me through uh, the development of the company internally, right? So we've talked about how 
the product came about, how it started to grow in the market. But what was that journey been like going from the two of you to, I'm, I'm assuming, a much larger team at this point or a, a company internally? Yeah, I think in, in 2019, we scaled too quickly, uh, just to be open and share about that. Sure. Um, with with, with uh, employee headcount in particular. And I think Bo alluded already to what was happening with the, uh, the different marketing channels. We were getting stifled on them and the policy changes, uh, you know, curbed our ability to continue to, st- to scale. But simultaneously, we were onboarding new employees um, with their sole intention to like take over a particular channel. So let's say a, um, uh, you know, a Facebook uh, um, performance marketer would, co- would, would come onto the company um, on our payroll and they wouldn't be able to do what they're uh, naturally able to do with other products on Facebook. Ah. So, so we brought on this, uh, this extra headcount of employees without uh, the corresponding uh, revenue growth. So I think the wheels came off a little bit and also we were hiring uh, based on like solely, not solely, but primarily based on channel expertise instead of hiring uh, primarily on, on culture and values. And I think that really stung us. Um, Since then, like our company culture is something that, that we value and it's, it sounds incredibly cliche, but a primary example we had was a past employee. He was honestly one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Um, and he, he brought a ton of different value uh, to the table for our organization, but he ultimately didn't end up working out because he wasn't a culture fit. So I think it doesn't matter how good he was at his particular job um, and checking all the boxes with the job description. If he doesn't check the, the values box and, um, and the culture box, it's just ultimately not going to work out. So since then, it's just been our primary focus with, with hiring on new employees. Um, and, and also, we're, we we don't care about how big we are as a company. Um, yeah. I think that was a misperception that we held for a long time. Uh, I think Moiz, Moiz Ali uh, talks a lot about this uh, with Native, but we don't, we don't need to have the biggest company with regards to headcount. Like what we want to have is, is really high powered, um, you know, individuals who believe in the brand and the concept and the vision. Um, and then scale that way uh, with those particular people, invest in their education, uh, invest in their vertical growth within the company. Um, and, and that's where our concentration is now versus 2019. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. It's, it's investing in quality over quantity, right? It's like, yeah. uh, who cares? We have the, the high, the, the-, the Navy SEAL team versus the army, right? Exactly. I mean, that's a, that's the actual language that my co-founder and I were using about scaling our company it was like, I would rather have teams of Navy SEALs or at first just a team of this many people than I would a thousand foot soldiers that you don't care if they get mowed down on the beach or, you know, like we want quality. Uh, over that quantity and it's more fun because you can create a culture you can create uh, like a joy of work and of belonging and those kinds of things together so what have you done or what have you seen be really effective Mike towards that aim when you start focusing on culture first and values and fit and that kind of thing what are some of the things you've seen really uh, drive some some results there yeah I think the biggest thing that we've seen is is a balance um, between this startup life and then this scare-free life. And 
because the startup life is different um, with, within our company because we don't have Merlot on tap or beanbag chairs or a fucking foosball table, right? right. <laughs> that's, that's not the culture that we're trying to embody. Like we hire people that are hungry, that have grit, that know what it, that knows what it takes, uh, that knows that it's just not your traditional nine to five where you show up, you clock in and then you clock out and leave. We want people that really represent the, the brand and that are thirsty to see it grow. Um, but simultaneously, it's that balance with the scare-free life. And the scare-free life is ensuring that our employees and our partners are coming to work, not just motivated, but, but happy. And yeah. having that balance, that true work-life balance, I don't think exists. I think it's being very, very cognizant and aware of, of what your teammates need. Because, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to expect your blood, sweat, and tears in this project. But if you come to us and you're open and you keep it 100, which is another one of our core values, we're going to respect that. And we're going to be like, hey, you know what? Why don't you take a week off? I'll cover your stuff. Go clear your head. Go read a book. Go spend time with family, whatever it, mm. whatever it needs to be. And, and we got your back, you know? Um, and I think that is a really cool balance we have in our company. We have this startup vibe where we're really to, we're ready to kill it and do whatever it takes by any means necessary. But we also, um, we treat you with respect. You're not cattle when you join yeah. Sunday Scaries. Um, you're actually more of a family member. Oh, I freaking love that. That's awesome. You've already mentioned two of the values. Uh, can we just go ahead, if, if you're cool, can we just go ahead and hear the, the full five? Yeah, absolutely. Bo, Bo, take it. So first is, let's get ready to rumble. Um, and, and these, they have a specific order, but I'll just bring them off since we already talked about them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so first, let's get ready to rumble. This is like when you join meetings, when you come into the office, you're, you're fucking pumped up, right? Yeah. If someone had a big win, you're high-fiving them, you're making up a handshake, you're doing something cool that rewards them. You're not walking in moping and, you know, pissed off that you're, Postmates delivery the night before was wrong. <laughs> and if you are, then you're high-fiving because Postmates delivery was wrong and you get a bitch about it again. Uh, deliver happiness is number two. Do whatever you need to do for the customer. Uh, right. You know, the, the old Nordstrom thing, like if someone called us and they're like, hey, I buy, I'm not even a customer, but you guys seem nice and I'm in Austin, Texas and I need a good barbecue place. Like Braden or Johnny or Nicole now is going to, they're going to, Google that for you, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they're going to do whatever we can for our customers. Yeah. Um, and number three is keep it 100. So just be raw, vulnerable, and transparent. Uh, this is like, don't let anything build up. Like if it goes three weeks and you come to a Monday meeting and during our IDS session, our issue, uh, discuss solve, and you're like, look, you fucking pissed me off three weeks ago because you did this. Like we'd be like, that's your bad. Like yeah. you're, you yeah. didn't keep it a hundred, like come in be like, look, this pissed me off. Let's solve it. Should have been handled right away. Um, and if you, have, if you like are feeling overly stressed, like Mike said, take a few days off. Like it's fine. We'll cover for you. We've done Mike and I, uh, and Johnny had done every position in the company. Um, the third or the fourth one is grow or die. We have a, a library of books in our office um mike and i are avid readers always pushing the envelope reading about people that have failed much larger than us and succeeded much larger than us yeah. you have to grow or you will die yeah you will be fired uh, or terminated um because like we need to see that grit that grind 
Um, and then the last one is unleash your inner Deadpool. That's the creativity. <laughs> that's the grit. That's the wittiness, a little edgy. You're pushing the envelope, right? Uh, maybe, you know, we're trying to, uh, pull it back a little bit um, on, the, on the edginess because there is a, a level of professionalism uh, that needs to be maintained. But the Unleash Your Inner Deadpool is like, what you, you kind of know what that means. Yeah, yeah. That's so good, man. I'd love to have an offline conversation about how you guys are doing that because we struggle with the same thing. That's part of our, our ethos as a team is we are younger and we love – we love kind of towing that line, but every now and then, every now and then an email will go yeah. out and Jordan and I'll be like, what the heck? You can't say that. <laughs> like, you got to take that off the deck or you got to pull that back some, man. Like, that's, that's a little bit too far. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, the other, the other side of this, like, your core values are integrity, customer service. Right, right. Yes, I love that. So I'm curious for you guys, how have you gone about, and I don't, whoever wants to take this can take this, but how have you gone about seeing that those are, actually embodied and either rewarded or challenged if it's not being lived out versus it sounds nice. It's on the website, it's on the company wall, but it's not really in the culture. What are some of those steps to seeing that truly be embodied and weaponized? I, I think the primary step is that core values. When you're, when you're, when you're building them out, you're putting them on paper. They're not just pulled out of thin air. Uh, you actually want to construct your core values based on like how you already actually are. Yes. So I think it's more of like a deep dive session on, on the truth of the company versus like, Hey, like this is what we want to be, or this is how we want to look. Right. Um, the aspirational and, values. Thank you. And, yeah. and it's actually a lot uh, easier to live up to those core values. Uh, once you just know what they are because they already live within your company, you know? And I think, Taking, for example, uh, Unleash Your Inner Deadpool, that's just the way Bo and I, in particular, act around each other. I mean, we're like brothers. Um, we, we lean on each other a lot, and we hold each other accountable, and we love each other to death, but we also poke fun at each other all the time. And I think that um, people really get a kick out of that inside the company because it brings this like fun vibe um, to everything and it, and it really kicks um, the stuffiness out the door. Yeah. You know, we, enc we encourage people to not leave their personalities in the parking lot to, to come in and really be a part of that fun, chippy, sarcastic vibe we have within the company. And at the end of the day, we, we all got each other's backs and you never want to take anything too far, but it really keeps the office vibe incredibly energetic. And it, and it puts us all on a platform where, it allows that keep it 100 to seep through because if we have that type of vibe with each other, that social vibe, I think an employee will be more apt to come with us, to come to us with a, with a, a feeling that they have knowing that we're not going to judge it for judge them for it. And that we're here open and willing uh, to fix whatever they bring into the office. Yeah, man. That's super good. Well, you talked about the actual values versus the aspirational. Is that something you guys drew from uh, EOS traction stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. IDS too. Yes. Yeah. Right. We actually implemented EOS, uh, but it was too corporate. Uh, we didn't have the amount of team members that it actually made sense. So the full EOS infrastructure actually hurt us in the company. So we took the ones, uh, the um, characteristics that really applied to our size perfect. and our culture. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, you just adapt it to fit what, what your actual needs are versus horseshoe yeah. organization into it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Same for us. We run, we run off of basic EOS principles, but because we're smaller, you know, we might use yeah. 
some scrum methodology in terms of executing this quarter or whatever, but we, we kind of mix and match. We have our L10 meeting we had already earlier this day and, uh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah we, we we have ours in about two or two three hours. So, oh, yeah. you guys go into the day. Interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we go after lunch. Yeah, we can, okay. That's all around the one thing premise. Yep. Come on, yeah. we're, we've read all the same books, man. Yeah. One, one thing was freaking game changer for me. Yeah. Um, was just writing some content on that today, and anyway, we can talk about that later. Uh, this is killer, guys. I love how you guys are building this. Give me a, give me an idea of where even company size is at now. Are we talking about five to 10 people? Are we talking about 20 to 30, 70 to a hundred? Like where, where are we at right now in terms of scale and, and company size? We have uh, six employees right now. Cool. Yeah. And that, does that feel like at the stage you're in and the demands of this unique kind of business that that is full plate for everybody, but we got this, or is that like, man, we've, We've got even more than the six of us can handle. We're, we're thinking through the next steps or what? I, I think that we're wearing too many hats. We just recently brought on an operations manager to help us with supply chain and logistics. Uh, and she'll also have her hand in some customer service stuff too. Um, but yeah, I mean, we really try, I think we learned our lesson in 2019 and, and we don't try to just bring people on just because we look for the areas of opportunity. And um, if it gets to the point where, one of us is spending too much time um, doing something where, you know, our skill set would, would um, be more beneficial to the company in another, in another area, then, then we'll, we'll delegate and elevate, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like being the biggest CBD company with regards to, to headcount is, is not a goal of ours. Perfect. Nor should it be. Uh, it's, it's a meaningless yeah. metric. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But what, what, what were you about to say? No, I was just going to say, like, we always, uh, we recruited our, our director of performance marketing from a much larger CBD company um, and, and interviewed a lot of other candidates, um, you know, and the largest ones have 100 to 200 employees. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's not what we're about. We believe that we can, you know, really, once we have someone controlling quality, we have someone controlling performance marketing, um, Mike, Mike's mind isn't dealing with the bullshit we get from Florida Department of Agriculture because we have a manufacturing plant there, you know, that's the supply chain and he can focus on growth too. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's really, we just don't see a lot of other pieces. Uh, we would, if we were to expand, we like we just did, we'd invest in more customer centric uh, retention and servicing um, positions uh, just to make sure that the, the core value is delivering happiness to the customer. I love that. Yeah, man. It's growth. It's not growth for growth's sake. It's like what actually is going to accomplish our objectives and what size team do you really need? Right. Versus meaningless metrics where we're just growing for growth's sake. Doesn't And also, man, you got more overhead. Everything starts to get slower. You've got more fires like you talked about to put out uh, with, versus a smaller, you know, more sp speedboat kind of company, which it sounds like you have right now. Um, man, that's super fun. Let's do this. I want to know uh, maybe one thing from each of you. Uh, I'll start with you, Bo. If someone's listening to this right now that is building or wanting to build an e-commerce business, uh, what's one piece of advice you'd have for them? <laughs> Read the one thing. An e-myth. Okay. Let's uh, talk about we, we, have, we have multiple friends uh, that, you know, they're a technician by trade. Like they, they know how to do one thing and they want to turn it into a business. And 
until you get into that and you understand the, the managerial ramifications, the visionary ramifications, um, you just don't get the full picture. Um, and so being able to plan that with some foresight is really important for the one thing. I mean, whether you're owning a bar or a CBD company or anything else, yeah, there's going to be a million people that want to steal your time and waste your time uh, and pitch you on things that are a waste of time. And I'm, I'm guilty of this because in our company, I'm definitely like the visionary and Mike's the integrator. Uh, so I have a, I have a squirrely characteristic about me where I love chasing fucking <laughs> shiny nuts around. Yeah. Um, and Mike's like, stop fucking chasing shiny nuts. Like, focus <laughs> on the big nuts. And <laughs> so, and so I've never like, heard, I, <laughs> I've never so, heard like, shiny objects nuts yeah. <laughs> to be shiny nuts. Well, you're not a squirrel chasing a shiny object. You're chasing shiny <laughs> nuts, right? Uh, and so being able to really time block out and focus on like the top, I know it says the top one thing, but I'm blended to like the top five things uh, and not all the bullshit emails that you love to respond to. Yeah. Uh, which Google snoots is like the greatest invention, greatest new feature of all time. Um, what is that? But yeah. Google snooze. Uh, yeah. If you go to the top of your Gmail box, you can hit snooze and the email just disappears from your inbox for you can snooze it till later tonight or any other time in the future. So like if I have a bunch of random emails, people that email me that I want to get back to, but I, I personally OCD, I hate having them in my inbox. I'll yeah. snooze them all until like Friday at three o'clock. And that'll be my little bullshit end of the week, two hours or Saturday in the afternoon if I want to work and just crank out some stuff. Yes. Um, and so that way, the only stuff in my inbox that I see is the important stuff. God, I used to have an email application like that a few years ago and the company went away. I don't remember what happened to it, but it went away. And I've always wanted that feature back that I could send yes. something to pop back up on my radar yep. at a future date. Yeah, so I even snooze like motivational things that I read every morning. I snooze at one email with some cool pictures and I snooze until eight o'clock the next morning that reminds me what to do for that day. Interesting. Um, but yeah, if you go to your Gmail, it's a little clock thing on there. Yeah. Yeah, so the big concept that sounds like for you as well that stuck out to me in the one thing is just that there's at any given time, whether it's in my marriage, in my family, my responsibility as a dad or as a business owner, it's always going to be a one or a few things that are more important than other things. And like, yeah, that's and a big concept. EOS, it's the rocks in the jar. It's the rocks. Right? Exactly. And, um, time blocking. Um, and you know, I'm not perfect at it, but, uh, you know, time blocking for the most important things that by which doing that one thing will make everything else insignificant or less important is, you know, if you can, if you can incrementally grow with that, then, it's amazing how much small shit just falls off. Wow. Uh, it doesn't matter, right? Eat, yeah. eat the frog. Eat the frog. Eat the frog, yeah. Yeah. Fight, fight, and, fight, and fight the tyranny of the urgent. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I love that phrase, the tyranny of the urgent. For some reason, I never really liked the eat the frog. It almost sounded like an annoying person telling me the thing I should do. You know what I mean? It's like, you're supposed <laughs> yeah. to do this. And that, that, that rebellious part of me always put it off. I'm like, I'm not going to yeah. eat the frog. I don't want to eat the frog. <laughs> uh, but when I heard it, like the tyranny of the urgent, I felt that. And when I heard one thing is more important than everything else. So I was like, man, that's actually probably true. That sounded life-giving to me that I didn't have to equally distribute my time across anything that came across my path, but that I could think strategically like the 80, 20 rule. I remember where I was the first time I read the book about the 80, 20 rule. And I was like, if this is true, 
this could change everything, right? Like if this is actually true that 20% of my effort is generating 80% of my results, then I could focus more on my 20% and wow, what kind of order would that bring to my life and exponential growth? Um, All right, we're geeking out. Mike, what about you? What would one thing as you are thinking about someone getting into the e-commerce business, what's one piece of advice you would give them? So if they haven't started yet, I'd say um, jump off the ledge and build your wings on the way down. So uh, avoid analysis paralysis at all costs. But if somebody's already involved, um, I think looking back for us as an experience share, one thing I wish we did better was um, focus our marketing efforts more from the get-go. So figure out how you're trying to get people to see your product and um, and silo that out to like one or two things. Because I think what we did is more of like a shotgun blast. We did some SEO, we did some influence, influencer marketing, uh, we did some Facebook ads, uh, obviously have a ton of email uh, blasts that go out as well. But I think that, um, I think that omnipresence comes secondary. So finding that, that initial scalable acquisition channel and then pouring in your marketing budget into you know, one or two things, for example, SEO, um, it, making sure your on-page SEO is, is tight-knit and then you know, doing link building or whatever your SEO strategy is and, and solely focusing on that till you get to the point where you transition into the omnipresence marketing strategy, um, I think is something that we, we could have done better from the get-go. Um, so I would, I would just say, say, yeah, figure out what your goals are and then uh, base your marketing strategy on those goals. Heck yeah. Love that. Uh, guys, this has been fantastic. I want to jump into the lightning round now. And uh, so it's five questions that we've asked every founder who's been on here. I'll try and split it up. Uh, you know, one, one for each of you, uh, just for time's sake. Uh, but I want to get these five questions to you. So, uh, Mike, we'll start with you. If you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would that message be? Don't worry. You're not alone. Wow. Where does that come from in your head? Uh, it comes from what we talked about earlier uh, in just the internal darkness people deal with and them thinking that they're alone in dealing with it. And I think yeah. that uh, we don't want that, um, that isolationism that's occurring in people's personal lives to bleed into um, their work lives. We want to make sure that everybody's heard, uh, that everybody keeps it 100 and that they're coming to work happy because if they're not, then what's the fucking point? Hell yeah. All right, Bo, let's go to you for question number two. What is the single best advice that you've ever gotten about growing your business? And then also what was the worst? So removing the one thing, focus on, on focusing. Uh, someone once told me like, if you're not struggling and you're not learning, like as an entrepreneur, you are innately a pioneer. You're yeah. exploring uncharted territory um, in, in, some, um, in some way. So if you feel in a place where you're getting complacent, you are not learning fast enough. I think a fallacy is the tortoise and the hare. Like you have to be the hare. You have to be fast. You have to be agile. You have to be quick because if you're not, your your competitors are going to pass you. Um, So yeah, you know, if you're, don't be complacent, focus on being the pioneer and exploring new territory. Love that. What about the worst advice? Aim smaller. That's what, that was advice you guys got or have heard aim smaller. Yeah. They're like, Oh, you're doing great. Like just, you know, aim smaller. Like what if this achieved you? Like, no, screw that. I want to go much bigger than that. Like it's the, the big, hairy, audacious, audacious goal. Right. Yep. Yep. Like people, We're- people are, you know, 
if, if people in majority are afraid to go there, then that's going to go. Let's go. I like it. All right. Number three, what causes you the most worry leading your organization? We'll do Mike for this one. Uh, I would say for me, it's, it's imposter syndrome. I don't think I give myself uh, enough credit and then also just having that self empathy. Uh, so it's something that I continually work on, like knowing I, I got to this place because of the hard work and because of how much care um, and love I, I put into this whole thing. So it's just remembering that like, and I learn, and I always hear Bo say this too, but hindsight's always 2020 and you can always look at what you're doing and be like, damn, I can't believe I screwed that up. But it's really interesting because when you zoom out, it's really hard to quantify uh, experience, right? And yeah. it's great because Bo sends me these time hop photos of us two, three years ago doing stuff, doing like technician work at the bar. And it's almost like it's really hard to grasp how far we've come until he sends me those things. And it just makes me remember that like, hey, I'm in this position because I earned it and I have a long way to go. But at the same time, like I'm going to be happy with, with where I am with regards to my performance. Yeah, so good. Uh, the imposter syndrome is a real thing. I experience it often. All right, what is, we'll go for you for this one, Bo, because you mentioned it just a second ago. But what is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal for the company? Uh, so split it into two. One is the, the, the mission, uh, which is like to become the Red Bull of CBD, right? They, what Red Bull has done is they've created a cult-like community for their customers uh, that is fun, interactive, educational. Um, and then all that is, you know, kind of based on the premise of the content that they created. Um, so that mission is really just providing the most amount of value and relatable content for our customers, whether that's articles, videos, how-tos. Um, we have Facebook, an exclusive Facebook group for kind of like this um, mind sharing for therapeutic benefits. Um, and then the vision is really, you know, in two to three years, having a huge market share that really helps our customers with over-the-counter issues. You know, having Sunday scaries in places that are accessible um, to those that really need the help uh, for a little mental health clarity. Um, really the vision of the company is to help people. So, yeah, yeah. you know, growing our marketing message, um, conveying our unique little sayings like defeat the beast within, uh, you know, live a scare-free life and really evoking that message to, to help people. So cool. I love it. I love defeat the, be the beast within. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number five, I want to know this from both of you, um, but we'll start with you, Mike. If you could hop into a DeLorean, go back to the past, and tell yourself one thing out the driver's side window as you drive by, when would you go back, and what would you tell yourself? I would go back to um, probably year three of the bar, and I would say – you know, you need to pivot, do it as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, and I think that was really tough for me back then, um, jumping industries, not just because of what those critics uh, were, were telling me that we talked about earlier, but it's just, it's really tough. And you don't see a lot of people jump from one industry to another. And um, I don't think Bo and I give, give ourselves enough credit for that, but 
we didn't know shit about CBD. And frankly, we didn't really know too much about e-commerce either, but we knew we had to make a change. And Bo had that vision to see what we could potentially be by getting into e-commerce and CBD. And we made the move, but um, looking back, I would have told myself to do it a lot sooner. Heck yeah. How about for you, Bo? I've got two. Let's go. We only get, you only have a flux. The first first one is start. (laughs) The first one is when we launched, we should have accepted Bitcoin as payment. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, The second um, is that we could have recruited better. Knowing our recruitment methods now, core values with direct recruiter light on LinkedIn and reaching out to people directly. Um, you know, people are the driving force of the business and hiring, being able to hire better earlier and knowing what we're looking for would have been tremendously helpful back then. Yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, I'm supposed to wrap up the show at this point, but I want to make one hilarious observation. Uh, you talked about accepting Bitcoin earlier. Are you guys familiar with the Silk Road story? Yeah, I watched the, the, the thing last night. on. Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I was just listening to an interview uh, with the guy that, that wrote the... Um, the movie for the Silk Road, right? But they took Bitcoin as payment earlier. So they had Tor, right? So an undetectable IP mm-hmm. address on the dark web. And they also had Bitcoin. And they were talking about how it got confiscated. And that if it wasn't confiscated, or uh, wh- either way, whoever owns it now, the government, I guess, it's worth $3 billion. $3 billion. Jesus. That's what it's yeah. worth from these guys accepting Bitcoin early on, except it's no longer in their hands, obviously. Yeah, it was like $200,000 of Bitcoin or something. It has now jumped to $3 billion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, holy hell. So That's uh, what I said to my wife last night. I was like, we should have accepted Bitcoin three years right. ago. <laughs> oh, what a, what a risky play, though, man. When you got, you're accepting money, you're not sure what it's going to be worth. I mean, manufacturers don't take Bitcoin. Exactly. Payroll. Employees don't take Bitcoin. So Bitcoin in, cash out, it probably would have wiped out anyway. But uh, That's right. But, uh, That's right. Well, guys, this has been so fun, man. Uh, thank you for coming on, being vulnerable with your stories, sharing with us your wisdom. Uh, man, you've already got a customer on one of my team, and, and uh, you're about to have another one here after we get off, uh, off the interview. Uh, I'm excited to see what you're doing in the space. It's working. Um, and man, it's, it's a, it's a worthwhile mission as well. So I hope you enjoy your new life with this company. sounds like you do much more than you did the old mm-hmm. life with the, the grind in the bar. Uh, but guys, congratulations on your success and thank you for being here. Oh yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Drew, you're awesome, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Hope we'll talk to you again very soon.